Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. As always, it's a pleasure to have you and a big shout out to Andre Suttles of Suttles Solution Media, my executive producer for helping to make this podcast possible. We have a great show today for you guys. I can't wait for you to meet founder of 46 and 2 Wealth Partners, investment advisor out of Atlanta, Georgia, Jesse Tedisco on the podcast. Jesse, how are you feeling today, man? Oh my goodness. It's the best day of my life, brother. Thank you, number one. For having me on the show. Thank you for Andre for cutting it up. And thank you to your listeners for giving their time and attention. Absolutely. And speaking of time and attention, as we jump into the start of things, I love making sure that our audience and our guests get to get properly acquainted first. So why not, I guess, break down who you are, what it is you do. I gave the title, but I know there's so much more than just that. Brother, again, thank you so much for being you. Uh, My name is Jesse Tedesco and or Jesse T. I am an investment manager. I'm a free thinker. I am a podcast host. I'm a dad. I'm a biohacker, but I'm a poor kid from Boston that shouldn't be alive. And I've held death in my hands on a couple of times. So that has allowed me to become the most grateful human being that I can be. And it's given me perspective on how wonderful life is. That's amazing, man. And of course, um, I just want to jump right into it, if you don't mind, because I mean, both of us being from the Northeast, but you mentioned holding death in your hands multiple times. Um, we talk about no rain, no rainbows. Let's hop right into the storm. Um, what do you learn in moments like that? And I guess pull back the curtains for some of the listeners exactly uh, what you mean by that, because yep. um, I'm sure it's maybe an experience, hopefully most of our listeners might not have had. Yeah, brother. Thanks so much. And real quick, where in the Northeast are you from? Uh, Long Island, born and raised. Oh, heck yeah. Smithtown? <laughs> uh, actually, not too far from Smithtown, Brentwood. Okay. I got some friends up there. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so, so my story is really interesting and I'm very thankful for the, the hard parts of it because it's allowed me to understand without rain, there's no rainbows. And it's something that I operate by just on different words and terms. And But it's the same concept where in terms of holding death in my hands, the first time I experienced holding death was my ex-wife who we're working our way back to each other, which is really beautiful. But um, my ex-wife and I's first pregnancy, we had a daughter that came out injured at delivery. So she wasn't stillborn, but she needed uh, intensive care unit systems to, to keep her alive. And after seven days of her being in the ICU, uh, the doctor's gave it, they gave us an ultimatum. They said, Hey, your daughter can be like this for the rest of her life. Never wake up, never respond, or you can let her go. And so after some heart to heart, some conversation, some thought, obviously it was just a weird, surreal time. We decided to let her go, go to go home. And, um, for, for us, it was very surreal. Uh, you know, that was the beginning of our journey with that experience. I held my daughter in my arms for what felt like 15 minutes as she fought her little ass off like a little Spartan warrior that she was to to live. And um, that started me on this road that I'll get to in a second about my perspective. But the second time was my mom who had fought cancer for eight years, ex-military, ex-badass, a female in the military back in the day when it was hard for a female to be in the military, had this wicked, wicked stubbornness to her. So they gave her one year to live. She lived for eight and then that eighth year, she succumbed to, to, to the battle of, of uh, cancer. And we all were by her bedside as she passed away. And I was holding her hand as she passed away. This, the third time I experienced death was my dad, who was a 35-year heroin addict. He beat it the last 10 years of his life. But the toll that it took on his body did a number. The body keeps the score. And he passed away. And 
and I didn't actually hold death with him, but I, I cleaned up after him after he passed away. And so, you know, those moments have taught me one thing, Ted, it taught me gratefulness. It taught me humility. So that's two things it taught me self-awareness. That's three. But what it really taught me was the, the, the idea of memento mori. Have you heard of this before? I have not. Memento mori is a stoic philosophy that the ancient Romans, the ancient Greeks lived by in a time where they, you know, exalted the idea of death because when you die, that, that's it. So you, ha- you only have a certain amount of time. And we don't know what's after, like people that believe in, in certain things. Yes, you hope that that's the, the, the reality, but no one has outside of Jesus has come back and said, this is what, what's, what's there. So we really only have now. We only have the present. Always. We always have the present. It's always the present. We've lived in the past. We look to the future, but it's always now. And as soon as you realize that, and as soon as you've had some experiences, whether it's as serious as holding death in your hands or whether it's just you had a bad day, you can start gaining perspective on how valuable a moment of time is. And so the Stoics would say, memento mori. Memento mori says, know that you're mortal, know that you must die. Let that be the motivation that you need to live a life well-lived. Showing up in relationships, showing up for yourself, health and wellness, mindset, spirituality, friendships, living a life well-lived so that when you die, you don't have as many regrets as if, if you didn't live that life well-lived. So that's, that's kind of part of my ethos, if that's a thing for me, uh, that term, but it's, it's how I live my life. And is there a second part to Memento Mori? Because it sounds familiar. And I've, I mean, I've read um, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday, and I've yes. jumped into a little stoicism before. Highly recommend that book for anyone yes. uh, read, uh, listening or watching. But is there a second part to Memento Mori? Because I remember there was like, a duality that he was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan holiday is really big into this world. I actually just ordered a couple pendants from the daily stoic. One of them was memento warrior with the other one's obstacles away, which is beautiful. And I'm using that in reference to, uh, my experience with plant medicines, which is bringing me back to my ex-wife. The obstacle is the way, but, um, the, what I know, and I've studied it pretty deeply. I don't know if there's a second part. I just know that, um, you know, what, where they used to use it pretty heavily is when generals would come back from their victories and spoils of war, they would have, um, a slave standing behind them saying memento mori, memento mori, memento mori. And what they were doing was the generals couldn't let their heads get too big or lose focus on the task at the next task. And so that one person's job behind them was to say, remember, you're going to die. Keep your shit together. Yeah. 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 Blunt and honest. I love that. And that's kind of something that we all can probably learn from because when we embrace our own mortality, um, I think that kind of changes the trajectory of how we live our lives. So many of us, we live each and every single day thinking we have all this time in the world. Um, Never going to forget this interview I was watching. And this lady, she she was a terminally ill patient. And the reporter asked, what is it like living each day knowing you're going to die? And the lady was quiet for what felt like a minute, but it was probably about 10 seconds. And she just looks back at the reporter and goes, what is it like living each day acting like you're not? And <laughs> I think that's something a lot of us need to hear because Powerful. we pretend so much like, oh, we have all the time and we can do this. But the reality is, you know, like you said, we only have now and this is the most important thing. Um, I'd love to unpack because you mentioned your journey a little bit. Um your, your journey into, I wrote down biohacking and, and a lot of that, but there, I know there's so much uh, around that led you to that. So what was your journey like? Um, and I know you've been in the military, um, coming from Boston, moving down here, starting businesses. Um, what was the, I guess, the heartbeat during all that, that kind of transformed Jesse along the way? Uh, just, a, just a kid who 
didn't have the right mentors, the right uh, trajectory that was trying to get to that point would kick, claw, claw and scream to do whatever it took. And so there's always been a narrative to my story of before Gary Vee was really popular. I'm 39. So this was at least 30 years ago, well before Gary Vee even had a platform. I was buying, selling, trading comic books, baseball cards. I was shoveling snow for money. I was running over to Logan Airport, returning these things called smart carts, which were these little carts that used to carry luggage. They still have them, but they're kind of getting outdated. But you would take them and put them into a stall and a quarter would pop back out. And the fun part was we would just make a few bucks on the weekend, me and my friends, but we were getting chased by security. So I kind of liked I liked the thrill of the, the chase, so to speak. I like the entrepreneurial hustle because I grew up with no money at that time, um, I was very scarcity mindset. So like I, I figured I needed to go out and create something on my own. So a good thing was born of that. But that narrative carried me through. Uh, that was kind of always built into me. So uh, someone asked me the other day on a podcast, they said, do you think an entrepreneur is born or made? And I, I think it's both. I think it's nature and nurture. But for me, it was kind of embedded in my DNA. I just needed mentors. And I needed people to kind of align me and get me on the right track. And so I think that's been part of the narrative my whole life is, not being afraid to try things, being adventurous, uh, being maybe a little reckless at times, but, uh, but learning from my, my failures or, or learning lessons and, and then just growing through those seasons of life. Yeah. Just having that, that gusto to want more, um, out of life. But it's funny. Cause we kind of talked a little bit about this before. Um, you know, hindsight's always 2020. What was little Jesse chasing? And what would you tell little Jesse now? <laughs> <laughs> little Jesse was chasing the idea that he thought he was going to be the next Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player of all time. Uh, he, <laughs> he also, uh, you know, like chasing girls and like chasing sports. Um, I don't have any regrets of the way my life went and all the things I've experienced. I, I think if I were to say anything, apply myself more because I had some natural gifts and talents, but I had a lot of hubris, a lot of false beliefs about myself as well. And, um, I wish, I wish that I found, I'll tell you this. I wish that I, I loved myself more as a kid, the way that I love myself. Now I've had to learn how to teach myself self-care, self-love through the years, because I wasn't taught that many people aren't taught that things from negative self-talk or, beliefs, belief structures and patterns. There's, there's some people that are lucky that are given those tools. And then there's some people that are lucky to find them during life. And then there's some people that never find them. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle camp of, I finally found those things. But if I could go back and, and, and say one thing to myself, it would be love yourself more and believe in yourself more. Yeah. Well, what was the catalyst that sent you into the military? And I know we've had, um, a number of veterans, which I didn't want to say, thank you for your service. Very My pleasure, much appreciated. Brother. It was fun. Um, and we, I, I, I like asking that, that question. I hope I'm not crossing the line because I know a lot of different people have different um, reasons for, yep. for choosing to serve. Uh, I'm interested to know what was the catalyst for you and, and what made you take up that sword? Two pieces to that. Uh, so the catalyst was to save my own life, but the, the uh, antithesis, the inception were two of the most pivotal people I had in my life. My mom, who was retired army, and my grandfather, my dad's side, who was retired World War II Army. So I had these beacons of light, essentially, that kind of were with me growing up, but I didn't really pay it. Even though I didn't pay attention, like subconsciously, things were getting ingrained in my mind, like uh, how to present and show up and how to have hard work and dedication and teamwork. Like these things were kind of being embedded in me, not knowing, but they were happening. And so that was kind of something that was grooming me. But the, the other side of it was I, I spent two years selling and doing drugs. So my entrepreneurial hustle 
when I ran in with the wrong crowd and I had, you know, poor examples and I, I didn't have the right character structure that I do now, I went off on a path of selling and doing drugs. And then entrepreneurial hustle got out of control because I was like hiring people to do it for me. And it was really bad. It was just a bad time. And after about two years of doing those things and never doing those things, I grew up very clean and straight edge. And um, I realized that wasn't the path for me and I needed a change. I needed a huge pattern disrupt. And I wasn't going to get it living in the town of Boston that I lived in because it's a, it's, it's a black hole for drugs where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's rough. And my mom's urging and behest and then my own will to want to get back to the life that I knew I was going to live. I decided to enlist in the military, man. And it's been a game changer ever since 2006 when I got out until now, my life, I've never looked back. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's amazing. And, and I asked um, that question after the first question um, kind of strategically, because you mentioned, Hey, selling comic books, baseball cards, uh, the, the smart cards at the airport and now into the military and coming out of the military, moving out of Boston, going to Atlanta, Charlotte, starting a few companies back in Atlanta again. Um, you've had a pretty successful run. What has your childhood ventures in entrepreneurship and the military taught you um, that maybe some of our listeners can maybe jot down on their notes that they could apply to themselves as they look to start their businesses and scale their businesses as well? Get out there and try it. Get out there and fail faster. Um, you look at some of the greatest athletes. I'll go back to Jordan, the, the whole 9,000 shots missed, but you know the ones he hit, he's known for, but he's not really known for the ones he's missed and the big games and the big shots. And you know, in life you're going to have an opportunity to swing big or go home. And either way, you're going to end up going back home. You're going to go home with your head held higher, head hung low, but you go back with a lesson either way. And I think the biggest thing is betting on yourself 150%, scraping your knees, getting the learning lessons and moving forward. And, and, and in my life, man, I've had four businesses uh, outside of that two-year experience that I told you about, but four like legal businesses. And two of them were flops. Two of them weren't great but they were learning lessons. They were teaching moments and they taught me so much about life and business and about myself. And then the other two have been really successful. And without the rain, you can't understand the rainbows, man. So, so for me, it was always betting on myself, always believing in myself. And even if I didn't like those times, we have that imposter syndrome where you don't believe in yourself and, you know, aligning myself with people that saw those things in me to get me through those dark moments and be those, those lighthouses in my life. Yeah, man. Absolutely. How do you get over? And this is something um, being vulnerable. I struggle with and I know uh, a number of our listeners probably struggle with because, you know, bet on yourself, go out there, fail, fail more, fail fast. Um, How do you get over that perception of how others view you? Almost kind of like if I'm on social media and I'm starting a new business every six months, like after a while, like, what do people say? What do people think? <laughs> the best way, the best way I can answer that is with a, with a story that I've lived and that I embody. And it's part of my success to this day. And it's my freedom. So mm-hmm. growing up, you know, those things I haven't mentioned, I was bullied for years where I got jumped every day. Um, I didn't know how to fight back. And then eventually got into martial arts and military and I learned how to defend myself. But back when I was a kid, I had none of those tools and I got my ass kicked every day, which taught me a lot of lessons. Um, but getting my butt kicked every day, having a dad that was a junkie for a better part of my life. Um, you know, the, the losses that I've experienced, the drug addiction stuff like that I had years ago, those were all skeletons in the closet that I was super concerned that people would find out about. And I was shameful about 
But something started changing a couple of years ago for me. And uh, one of the things was I was introduced to a gentleman by the name of David Goggins. For those of you who know David Goggins, he is the epitome of what the human mind can accomplish. And he does it through pain and suffering. And I had a lot of pain and suffering in my life. And so I read, I listened to his book, Can't Hurt Me, twice. Mm-hmm. And it, the whole idea is, if you know everything about me, you can't hurt me. Now I have the power. And if I tell you everything on the front end, there's nothing for you to find out about me or, or there's no failures for you to, to mock me on. It removes any judgment or criticism for, from either side. So after listening to Goggins and, and deploying his message and doing his, his 10 steps to become free, and then my mentor and coach at the time, Patrick Tucker, he's like, you have a crazy life story. You're here for a purpose. Your story is not yours. You got to share it with the world. He's like, you know, a lot of great people that you can talk to about this, like get your story out there. And that's when the podcast was incepted. But all that to say, man, is when I came into my own and I stepped into my power and I said, this is who I am. This is what I do. Have, I'll, I'll leave you with one little illustration. Have you seen the movie Eight Mile? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a little bit of an older movie now, but back in the day, it was pretty popular. Eminem's this aspiring rap guy, and he's living in a trailer park, and he's getting his ass handed to him at every rap battle to the point where like he's like didn't even know if he should do this anymore. And then by the end of the movie, he's like, screw it. He walks into this final rap battle. He's like, I am poor. My mom's, you know, a hooker. I live in a trailer park. I am white trash, like all this stuff. And all of a sudden the guy has nothing to say. All his jokes and his disses and his comeback, like he had nothing. And so now Eminem goes on the offensive and he wins for the first time. Like, yay, wonderful. That's what I did with my life story. I shared it with the world. I said, I don't care if, if you judge me because it's really not your place to judge. And if you judge me, that's fine. Like I'll have love for you. That's how I operate. And brother, it has freed me and it's brought beautiful people into my life. It's brought beautiful people into my business, people that I do life with. Like my business is catered to a way where I do business and life together. And the people and relationships that I have because of sharing that story, I know for sure I can identify them. And it's completely brought so much color to my life. So sharing your journey, sharing your story, like Gary Vee talks about all the time, document the process, like show your failures because everyone else is failing too. The most successful people I know are the biggest failures. They just never gave up. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I've asked some, some of my, my mentors like, Oh, what, what failure have you gone through? And it makes my failures look like little speed bumps compared to what they've been <laughs> yeah. over to overcome. And uh, for anyone who watches game of Thrones, who's a fan of game of Thrones, there's a line early on um, where uh, one guy tells the other, he says, you know, take what you're self-conscious about, take what you don't like and wear it as armor. So people can never use it against you. And um, kind of what you said, stepping into our own power. Sometimes we're fail, we're afraid of what the failure has taught us and what it positions us to do. Because while we're failing at that business, the people who are likely judging you are sitting there on their phone scrolling through, not starting their own business. Kind of like the man in the arena. Um, I think it was Theodore Roosevelt who has that that quote in that yeah. that essay. Uh, jumping into business and and really kind of optimizing it. I think, and I read a great book by Mark Echo about his company, and he has a, a a line in there where he says, "If I wanted the company to be bigger, I myself had to be bigger. I had yep. to work on myself in order for the company to grow." And I think that's true for a lot of companies. And, and I know that you you're really big on kind of optimizing the performance of the body and ourselves, and how we can execute on our missions. I'd love to get some of your insights on how that journey started and what tips you could share with us on how we can maybe 
better execute our business plan, our our strategies, and and kind of start knocking off some of those audacious goals that we've set ourselves. Yeah, man, you got to have audacious goals. Jesse Itzler talks about uh, Masogis, Masogis, where you have one thing every year that scares the hell out of you, that everything that you do maps over to getting that thing done, whether it's like a triathlon, ultra marathon, whatever it is for you. Mm-hmm. And it's important to have those things. But where my, my, my history with this has kind of been interlaced in my life through playing sports, being in the, you know, we went through the phase in high school where you wanted to be jacked and big and strong, like all that stuff. Like, I think, I think we kind of have these similar things that the world experiences going through life, but I've always had this, um, belief in, in, in this desire to, to stay young and to stay purposeful for as long as I can. I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And then in my mind, I want to keep outrunning them until I die, until I die. Like I don't want them. I want them to see. And so it means so many things for so many reasons. But what it looks like is, um, there's guys that I follow, like Aubrey Marcus at On It, Kyle Kingsbury, some of these amazing people. But it bleeds into mental, like uh, mindset. It bleeds into spirituality. It bleeds into 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 the body. And so some of the implements that I use in my body, uh, things like cold therapy, love it. Um, I do cold showers every day. The whole shower is cold two to three minutes. Um, I do, it reduces inflammation. It changes your cells and a mitochondrial level. Like it it does so much to help you and and the mindset piece, right? So Mm -hmm. no one likes taking a cold shower. It doesn't feel good, but it makes you mentally stronger and it gives me energy. I don't drink coffee. I don't need coffee. So like, I just take that cold shower and I'm good to go. Um, I train every day. I do like weird stuff with like kettlebells and club maces and, 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 uh, yoga and martial arts. So like, I like being functional, purposeful. So if anything ever went down, I could protect myself or the people that I love and also have fun with it too. Like I, I run obstacle course races. I'm about six, one, two fifteen, So I'm not the smallest guy, but I usually place like in like the top of, 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 of the heap, which is, is, is competitive for me. So I stay My competitive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The last one I ran was the Savage race in October here in uh, Dallas, Georgia, and out of a thousand people, I was like number 24. So I felt pretty good about that because I know the people that beat me are either a lot younger or smaller. Like I'm definitely yeah. the biggest guy placing that high. So, <laughs> so I, in my class. mind, I won. I won yeah. the heavyweight division. <laughs> Whatever I got to tell myself, right? But there's still 23 people that were better than me. So I look at it that way too. But, um, you know, things like intermittent fasting. Um, I've been doing that for two years. That's helped me so much with so many different ways. Um, things like breath work and, and, you know, Wim Hof that ties into his stuff with the cold stuff, but I started with Wim Hof and then I broke off and one of my clients, my wealth management business, she's this huge TikTok influencer and a name dropper, Tori Gordon. She has this company. One of the deliverables is this breath work. And so she came into my office one day about a month or two ago, and we were doing some financial planning stuff. And then we did a breath work ceremony because I'm into some weird stuff. And so, uh, I laid there, went through the breath work cadence, holotropic breathing. And I was stuck on the floor for an hour, Ted. I couldn't get up. I was literally, I felt like I weighed a thousand pounds. My heart was wide open. I had all these emotions and thoughts about my ex-wife and my kids and all this different stuff. It was one of the most profound things I had ever done. And it's just, it's free. You just got to do the work. It's breath work outside of things like running. So I'm really big into the biohacking space, nutrition, uh, understanding my gut biome. Like I'm into all these different protocols, but the biggest one I'll tell you is this. I work with uh, sacred plant medicines. And there's things like ayahuasca, psilocybin mushrooms that if used properly under the right set and setting with the right tutelage, you can, you can have, uh, spiritual experiences. You can have, uh, things where you work on yourself and trauma and ego. And so all these different things that I do in the course of a year that are biohacky, whether they're spiritual, physical, mental, um, they all allow me to show up better for those that I serve and those that I could be of service to. 
right? Yeah. And so whether it's clients, whether it's friends, whether it's family, whether it's whoever it is, podcast guests, whatever it is, I'm allowed, I'm able to be the best that I can be in those moments because of those things that I do. Yeah. I mean, that, that's amazing. And, and what I'm pulling from that to pull this all full circle for the listeners and the watchers, it's, you, you mentioned, we started the podcast when you mentioned holding death in your hands and kind of coming up to the biohacking, laying on the floor, heart open, the emotions that we feel or kind of exploring our traumas or whatnot. These are all practices that help us feel more alive. These are all practices that declutter that noise that we've been surrounded by. It kind of breaks down some of the false um, prescriptions that we've been giving. And I, and I think I use the, the word prescription on purpose because that bright red apple in the produce aisle of your grocery store isn't how an apple's supposed to be. Right. It's not supposed to be that big. <laughs> it's not supposed <laughs> to be that vibrant. It's pumped with steroids and, and all that, which we can go down that rabbit hole. But at the end of the day, it's at a certain point, we start realizing that things we're surrounded by might not be the best for us. And we have to put in the work to actually alter our environment to facilitate more growth that can facilitate the execution of what it is that we actually want. So I, I love how, how in depth you are on that because um, you know, I've done the cold shower thing. Um, <laughs> I, I actually have a, 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 a book of mine that tracks my daily habits. And one is like cold shower, drinking the water, a Love workout it. every day, um, meditation. Uh, I do intermittent fasting as well. People think I'm crazy because I wake up at 2.15 in the morning. My first meal <laughs> usually isn't until about noon. I love um, it. Good so, for you. Good for you. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. And, and my workouts at, are at 11 a.m. So it's usually a fasted workout. And people are like, "Why do? You, how Beautiful. do you do that? At this point, my body knows I'm crazy, so it's ready yes. for it. <laughs> yes. Let me say something real quick. You hit on a great point, and I want to tease this out. It's uh, to be able to alter your environment, you have to first alter yourself. And so, things like biohacking, things like training with you know whatever kind of uh, workout stuff you're into, if it's cold showers, if it's if it's breathing, meditation, journaling, like you have to be able to biohack yourself before you can biohack your environment. And if you learn how to manipulate systems in your body or manipulate your spirituality in a good way. I use the word manipulate in a good way. It, it, not that it's always a bad thing, but anyway, if you can manipulate yourself into a state of success or well-being, you can affect change in your environment with other people and things around you. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and kind of coming towards the end with, with this, um, you know, obviously we, we, we've covered some of the storms that you've been through and, and some of the successes you've enjoyed along the way and, and the lessons that those storms have taught you. Um, because as you mentioned, hey, failure, the, the hardships, those are the things that remind us to be appreciative and remind us to focus on the now and, and kind of push forward. Uh, I always love asking, what's, what's uh, in the future? What are the rainbows that, that Jesse's chasing in the next few weeks, few months, maybe a couple of years? Yeah, brother. I got a few things lined up. I'm super pumped about the next few months. So I'm actually leaving on a, an airplane. So you jumped on earlier for me today. Thank you so much. I'm going to Scottsdale, Arizona to go hang out with Steve Sims. Do you know that name, Steve Sims? Sounds familiar. I'll probably Google it right when we're done. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got a company called Bluefish and they, they, they curate the most amazing experiences for like these insane people around the world. Like if you want to go get married at the Vatican in Rome, you got to pay him a, a million dollars. You want to go uh, scuba diving by the Titanic, he can make it happen. Like he makes these things happen. So he's having this private event in Scottsdale, Arizona. These next two days, Wednesday uh, and Thursday of this week. 
And I'm just excited to meet new people. I'm excited to, to connect with new, amazing people. And it's, uh, he's calling it a speakeasy. So it's like, there's like a password and it's just like this really cool thing. Right. So that's this week. Um, I am looking forward to a sacred plant medicine trip to Peru. Now that the borders are open back up at the end of March. Um, this is with a group of veterans, a group of business executives, people that are successful that have found this tool that helps them live life so much better. Uh, that's in March. I'm putting on my second retreat. So much like you, I do some men's work and I, I think there's a lot of collaboration that's going to come from our, our connection. I can't wait, brother. Um, I had a men's retreat in January here in Georgia where we, we did a lot of work, cold plunges, plant medicines, uh, you know, meditation. We're going to be doing a co-ed one uh, this is going to happen in May. And I, I know I've been called to this type of work. So throughout the next few months, it's just connecting with people, showing up for them, showing up for myself, man. Um, and a couple other things I'm working on real quick, the importance of mentors. So I'm working with a gentleman by the name of Paul Getter. He's the internet marketing nerd. Uh, he's helped guys like Grant Cardone, Gary V, Ty Lopez, just to put some names out there, but he helps the little guy like me too. And so he was able to come to me and help me with some different things for my business. And we're doing some great stuff. So just seeing where the ro the road leads for the podcast and for the business and relationships like ours, brother, I'm excited about it. Absolutely. And Jesse, you're an inspiration. And I just want to point out the fact for all the listeners, you know, this is an investment advisor. And looking in the bio, he talks about wanting to make sure his clients find a way to build happy wealth. Notice he didn't talk about anything regarding money this whole podcast, because I could tell where your heart is. I could tell where your story has led you and what your mission is. And it's pouring into others from the inside out. And I think the money is just a, it's just a, I guess, what do they call that? Um, a byproduct. Byproduct, yeah. I was looking for like a collateral <laughs> uh, benefit. But yeah, it's a byproduct of the way we treat ourselves. So Jesse, I would love to make sure, speaking of relations, that um, our listeners and watchers have an opportunity to get in touch with you, follow some of the work you're doing, and, and maybe even uh, take, a, take a listen to your show too that I can't wait to be on sometime soon. So how Coming can I do soon. that? Okay. So, so the best way to find me, uh, is, is on social media. You can find me at, at Jesse, J E S S E underscore T, which is T E E. So at Jesse underscore T on Instagram, you can find me uh, at uh, LinkedIn where I'm uh, do a lot of stuff there. It's Jesse to disco T O D I S C O. And then you can find out the show. It's on, uh, the podcast is called the Jesse T show. It's on YouTube. It's on all podcast platforms. The last place you can find me is my company. It's 46 and two wealth partners. Again, that's the numbers four, six, and the number two wealth partners located here in Georgia. I, I accept everyone's friend request and I'm looking forward to uh, connecting with more people. Absolutely. And I'll have all those links in the show notes too. So folks can kind of easily just open up their iTunes app or podcast app, click it, and they'll be directed right to those links as well. But Jesse, this was very, very valuable. I'm going to have to listen to this a couple of times because there's things I learned along the way and I can't wait to implement, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for you, brother, and our connection. I'm looking forward to where our journey leads, man. Absolutely. And I'm going to recap some of the gems that you broke down for our listeners really quick, just because, you know, I know this is a 30 minute podcast. Sometimes it moves quick. I don't want you guys to miss anything, but we only have now understand the mortality that we are all living at one point in time. We are going to leave this earth. I don't know anybody who's gotten through this thing called life without dying. <laughs> so acknowledge your mortality and know that that's a beautiful thing. And that's something you can focus on in terms of we only have now. And what was it? Memento Mori? You got it. Memento Mori, something to keep in mind as well. And also hustle is good, but hustle in the wrong circle could lead down the wrong path. So just 
Keep in mind, audit what your environment is and who's around you and fail faster. Get out there, try it. The advice that I probably would give to my little self too would be like, hey, don't be so timid. Go out there and try that venture. Don't be afraid to fail in others in front of others. Bet on yourself. And of course, don't be scared to walk into your own power. A lot of times what really scares us is the ability to do what it is we actually want to do and now the responsibility of maintaining it. So don't be afraid to step into that and get scared. Have those goals that, that make you nervous a little bit or make you nervous a lot because if it requires a different person to accomplish, that's how you grow. And, and finally, um, in order to alter your environment, you first must alter yourself. If you pay attention to the things around you, maybe start looking for, for mentors who have accomplished things that you want to do. Understand that they might have something that they do that helps them execute a morning routine, whether it be their diet, their workout routine, their nutrition, their sleeping schedule. If you're trying to build a schedule, the first thing I recommend you schedule is your sleep because that can lead into everything else. So many more values. I can't wait to, to connect with Jesse on his show. Be sure to hit those links in the show notes to catch up with Jesse. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate you hitting that thumbs up button, hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. It's the only way we can improve. If we don't know what we're doing wrong, how can we fix it, right? And of course, we love our Patreon supporters. You can support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. And if you got value from this episode, I would greatly be appreciative if you would share it with a friend. As we always say at the end of the episode, guys, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow. Let's grow. 